Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, we're here. We are live. How's it going, everyone in chat? Thank you so much for tuning in today. I got to be honest, I got worried that Hustler, you know, he said he wasn't going to be here, that no one would tune in when they found it was me. But no, uh, thank you so much, everyone who's tuning in on podcast and on YouTube. Uh, yes, Michael Remus here hosting Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We've got a great show tonight. Sorry, that's SNL. We've got a great show coming up this afternoon. We are so pumped for the Bombers-Alouettes game. I'll be talking about that with Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun coming up. Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com. Brandon Ruwicki, Skates and Plates. And finally, we'll be finishing this off. Very special conversation between Hustler and the Montreal Alouettes owner, Gary Stern. So you're going to want to stick around. Uh, stick around for that. Uh, if you're new here or if you're just coming in, we're on YouTube. Help the channel out. Hit the yes, hit the thumbs up button. Um, huge help to the channel. Uh, it just tells YouTube, hey, you like this content. Let's show it to more people who maybe have similar interests. And if you're not subscribed, the red subscribe button. Again, we're closing in on 8K. It's been a bit slower, the, you know, with a long weekend with August. But we're closing in on 8K. Help us get there. Hit that red subscribe button, please. Um, what else we got here? Oh, yeah. Can't forget. Got to give a shout out to all the sponsors. Can't do it without them. Canadian Club, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Princess Auto, uh, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Cool Bet, Culligan Water, F Apparel, Vita Health, and Wallace and Wallace Fences. So thank you again. Uh, very pumped to be here. I got to be honest, this is my first time ever kicking off a solely sports show by myself. Usually I'm in the, uh, I'm in the other chair with Hustler or Rick, whoever, Brand uh, Brandon, I think maybe Darren I did with Ryan, pretty much everyone. Uh, this is my first time and it is a special, I got to be honest, I got to talk about myself a little now that I'm in the chair. Um, this, I guess it was July, was my 10th year anniversary working in sports media officially, like getting paid. You know, I had done stuff with Illegal Curve starting in 2007. And, but it wasn't until July 2012, I was hired uh, to fill in actually for Hustler and Lawless as a producer. Uh, you know, basically Gary just gave me his address book and I had to text people to come on the radio. Um, and I, you know, then I started doing stuff with Rick and you know, I worked with Dennis and Brian during the lockout, but then I, yeah, I was with Rick for a while, then Kevin, and then back with Hustler and Gary and Hustler and Rick. I had never hosted a show. It seemed like they wanted everyone else but me to be in the host chair. But finally, you know, when Hustler goes out of town and they ask, you know, we asked just about everyone else and everyone else is out of town. This seems to be a popular week to go out of town. I end up 
having to do the chair. It does remind me of that time. I was on TV one other time, or one time, on TSN. I think Brian Munns called in sick. For, he was filling in for Rick, who was away on the Jets Lunch TV show, and me and Darren, or Darren and I, you know, we're on TV, and I got a lot of text people out on TV. I wore a suit. Very exciting. But yes, I am in the host chair. Um, first time. I did bring in the studio backdrop. I upgraded from the basement. And I do have to say, you know, last week I had a bucket list moment being on the American Association YouTube channel uh, for the Gold Eyes game. That was pretty cool. But hosting a show, a sports show, something that I had, uh, you know, thought was a goal of mine, what, in like grade 12, they're like, yeah, what do you want to do a project? Yeah, what do you want to do? When you're, you know, for your occupation, you know, I got friends picking doctor and lawyer, and maybe I didn't take it that seriously, but I was like, yeah, I know I really liked sports radio at the time, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do a, I'll do a sports, say I want to be a sports host, and I did interview some people who I listened to at the time, which was very cool, but I never thought it would be a real thing, and here I am, so thank you everyone, uh, everyone for tuning in. We got some stuff to talk about today. The Bombers, 8-0 against the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, Six-point favorites. Can they go 9-0? They've had this ridiculous schedule. What's, I, we're talking about it with Ed. Six games, 32 days. Uh, it seems like they're always on the 5-6 on the road. Um, I don't know how they keep doing it. Again, we hear the other local team... Always complaining about travel and schedule. You haven't heard any from that from the Bombers. One day at a time. Can they keep it going to 9-0? I'd like to think that they can. However, however, some of these games, uh, I think they've gotten pretty, I don't want to say lucky, but, I mean, the Boris Beatty missed extra point. We had those very close games in Ottawa. A close game in sorry, the two against Ottawa, which were very close. Edmonton, they did not play their best, but thankfully they were playing against Edmonton. Um, however, the games against Calgary, I thought they smashed Calgary Claris with his best game of the year. Actually, the best game, the best highest rated game from any quarterback this season against Calgary and against BC. Everyone anointing BC as the best team in the league, and the Bombers came in and absolutely obliterated them to the point where BC put in their backups at the end of the game. So, you know, if the way things are going, yeah, you'd expect the Bombers to win, but this is why they play the games. And we'll be talking about that all day. I know Scott Billick, who's coming up next, he was at the game against Calgary, and I will bring him in. Lots to talk about. And I do wanted to talk about one other thing as well. Mike McIntyre mentioned this yesterday. I know Ken Weeb as well. They're going out to Minneapolis for a road trip to see the Twins play the Blue Jays. I've never done Twins, Blue Jays, but I've done, I've been to Twins games. I've driven to KC. I don't know if anyone in chat wants to say their favorite, their favorite sports road trip, but uh, my, I'll say my most memorable one because it is summer and look, you can talk about this kind of stuff in the summer. I think the best one I did, I will say the most memorable one was 
2003, I went to Minneapolis. It was actually for a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert. And, oh yeah, it was the Minnesota Wild Vancouver Canucks playoff series. The two teams hated each other. I'm trying to make this short. My friends and I brought a Canadian flag. They held it up in front of the band. The fans in Minnesota wanted to torch the flag. People were threatening to beat us up and and shoot us. Vancouver won in overtime. Um, Brent Sopel scored the winner. And I was so happy Vancouver won because, one, I was wearing a Naslin jersey and I wanted them to win. However, however, I was happier that, he won, that Vancouver won because I was very afraid for my life if they didn't. I mean, I had a kid, a little kid, come up to me and give me the finger because I had a Canucks jersey. So that is... In terms of summer, sports, road trips, that was in May of 2003. I don't know if Scott's got any good ones, but I'm ready to bring him in. Scott, thank you for coming in. How's it going? It's going well. I do have a couple of stories, actually. I mean, they're not that, I mean, there's not a lot of good punchlines in that, but I I went to Yankee Stadium in this hat a few summers ago. No. And we're just wearing, I was full Red Sox gear, right? And I got some weird eyes. And then some guys were like, like, you know, you shouldn't probably wear that in here. I'm like, yeah, I'm Canadian, though. I'm just from Canada. Oh, they're like, oh, okay. All right, all right. Fair enough. So just as long as I told people I was Canadian. Soon to be a game for the Minnesota Vikings. Back, I believe it was 2009 as well. Went on a road trip for that. I didn't really care too much about I'm not a Brett Favre fan. Uh, I don't really care about the Packers or the Vikings. Um, I'm a Tom Brady guy, but, um, yeah, I went down there, uh, for the Vikings. It, it was, it was, it was a bit of a riot. I mean, it was at the old, uh, was it the Metro Dome was called? I don't even remember yeah. what that old, I think it was the Metro Dome. Metro, something I, like. I will say this about the Metro Dome. Thank, thankfully they have target field now because I've been to a baseball oh, a game dump. at a Metro Dome. It was terrible. Yeah. Spent the whole game in those long rows, passing popcorn and beer up and money yes. up and down the row. And I yeah. saw a football game. It was it was a worse experience. And I just had, uh, you know, I watched like two like grown dudes just like beating the hell out of each other mm-hmm. over absolutely nothing. And it was just, it was. The, I, I don't remember the all the content of the story. I remember it was the stupidest thing. But it was totally NFL, right? Like this is what you see at like yeah. a Pittsburgh Steelers game or something like that, like Oakland Raiders or whatever. Like it was. This was. It was. It was. You got the full NFL experience. Uh, by going down there just to do that, but yeah, uh, yeah, the, the old Metrodome was bad. It was just like there was no tailgating there because there was nowhere to park down mm-hmm. there. So they never had like the tailgate experience or anything. There was a great restaurant, uh, bar, pub, right on the corner, uh, right by where I guess uh, the new stadium is now. Get the name of it, but uh, that place is tremendous. Um, but yeah, it's packed. U.S. But, Bank, uh, never, never been. It's on. It's on my list. It's on yeah, my list. It's a nice place. So anyway. Anyways, okay, I got more stories about wearing visiting attire, but <laughs> let's talk, uh, we'll talk Bombers, Scott, because you've actually yeah. been on the Bomber beat. Yeah, I've been on the, the Bomber beat bit. for the last couple of weeks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, it's good. How's good. Calgary? Let's, let's hear your experience, Calgary. What a win, what a game. A Bombers come out on top again. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was interesting because the week prior, People might suggest that might have been their worst game of the season against the Edmonton Eskimos and or sorry, Elks. I'm I'm never going to get that right. Uh, so apologies for that. But the Edmonton Elks. Um, 
and they, you know, they go in there and they only put up 24 points. They still win by 14, but they didn't really deserve to win, you know, and, and that's kind of, you know, the, the story of the Bombers this year is that they're just that much better than teams that they can have a bad game and still win by 14 points. Obviously, there's the Toronto Argo game where they won by a one point. It brought, you know, arguably could have lost the Calgary game if uh, I believe it was Kamar Jordan didn't drop the, um, the the end zone pass that ended up getting intercepted by Demario Houston. Um, but yeah, no, the Calgary game it was just like every drive was on offense was was almost spectacular in a sense. I mean, Nick Dembski right away coming back from four game layoff, a month off from the a month off from from playing, not even practicing, comes in off the six-game DL the day before. And and uh, DL, I'm, I'm thinking baseball right yeah. now. Injured list. Injured, what is it, injured, injured list? Yeah, six-game six injured list. Yeah, so he comes off of that, though. And, I mean, the first pass that goes into the end zone is to him over the shoulder. He drops it. But then a couple plays later, he picks up the first touchdown pass, and he's got the first two of the game. Um, but they were just clicking. Like, it was cerebral. I asked Buck Pierce the other day about it, and it was just like, you know, why does it feel like, you know, some football games, they just don't go that way on offense, right? Either the defense is better or, you know, you just, it's just not clicking. But I was just curious as to why that was clicking so well. And I mean, he doesn't really know either. I mean, just, sometimes it just happens, right? Guys are executing, and that's the biggest thing about football. It's always about execution. Um, and everybody was executing, whether it was the Demskis or the Dalton Shones or, you know, the Drew Olatarskis who were keeping plays alive on second and long, or or the Dakota Prukop who hadn't played since week one uh, with an injury, comes back, um, all five of his carries ended up in first downs and short yardage. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this Bombers team because, you know, they've had this hellacious schedule um, where, you know, they, they play the first, I think, it's 10 or 11 games before they get their bye week. Um, some other teams have had two bye weeks already of the three that you're supposed to get. The Bombers will have all three of their bye weeks um, in the second half of the season, so they'll be well rested for the playoffs. Um, but you know, this team doesn't—they just don't give up. They don't give an inch out there, no matter who's out of the lineup. I mean, Greg Ellingson tomorrow he'll be out, or tonight, sorry, he'll be out for a third straight week. They're out uh, with Malcolm Thompson, who's the starting safety. He's not there. Um, you know. The, other guys you know they're starting center not there playing Chris Konowalski who's you know uh, better than you know I, I think they would have thought he would have been at this point but it just seems that with the Bombers you know, maybe unlike the Winnipeg Jets anybody that they put into the lineup just plays at that same level there's so little drop off right I mean we, we've seen you know the start of the season nobody expected Dalton Schoen potentially to be, you know, the runaway rookie of the year candidate halfway through the season. But there he is with six touchdowns in eight weeks. Um, it, it's an incredible story you know, from a guy who hadn't really played much football uh, for two years after coming out of college because of COVID and he was into some NFL training camps and that, but he wasn't just, he wasn't playing actual games of football. And he's coming this year, not only picked up the CFL game, um, well, but it's just playing at an elite level. I mean, he's, he's first in touchdowns in the league and receptions. I think he's third in yardage, and he's a rookie. Um, and here's a guy, though, and you learn about Dalton Schoen a little bit. Um, Travis Kelsey, who everybody will probably know from Kansas City Chiefs fame, one of the best tight ends in the NFL, um, played a little bit with Dalton Schoen just in training camp and a couple of practices. 
um, and and gave Zach Kalaros you know the thumbs up. Zach Kalaros and Kevin Kelsey played uh, college football together at, at, at in Cincinnati. So um, yeah, it's just it's been like this. Bombers is such a well-oiled machine. And I know a lot of Jets fans are probably envious of how how good the Bombers have become, and it also shows how long of a road it can take to kind of get there. But the sustained success, right? To be eight and zero, and and the first time since nineteen sixty. Uh, you know, in, in this league where, you know, they've beaten Calgary twice now, they've beaten BC, uh, you know, they've beaten everybody else that's coming. They got to be big games, obviously, you know, tonight in Montreal against the Owls, a desperate team. Um, they're going to have to obviously, you know, come up after the first bye week and play back-to-back Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the Labor Day game where it doesn't matter what the records are. Those games are always wars. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by how good, this bomber team is and how little drop off there has been, even with like this, this schedule with the injuries, all of that stuff. They're just, they're so well run, well managed, well coached. And the culture in that, that dressing room is so um, it's just so ripe. And, and, and it's the reason why, you know, we potentially be talking about a three peat come, come November. Yeah. Well said. I mean, uh, we're already talking about a three peat, right? Are- I mean, you know, and that's the thing, but I mean, they just got to kind of get, they have to hoist the cup again, but yeah, like it's, they've been, they've been on this tear and, and I don't know who stops them right now. Yeah. I don't know who stops them either. You thought it was going to be BC. You thought it was going to be, um, be who's the other um, team, Calgary, but yeah. no, no, they've went through all of them. Um, so yeah, yeah. Scott and here, Scott Billick here, Winnipeg son. We're talking bombers, talking jets as I, tweak stuff on the stream here. Um, I want to get to the Jets, <laughs> Scott. We touch on the Bombers. They're great. <laughs> Not affected by the schedule. Um, doesn't matter who's in or out of the lineup. Doesn't matter if they're on their A game or their D game. They All they do is win. It is, it is yeah. incredible to watch, and I don't know if we're taking this for granted or what, but we're going to be looking back in a couple years on this bomber run because I'll I, before we get move on, I do want to say, you know, they just beat Calgary for two games. I remember when Calgary would yeah, win those every- close games and it really thinks it really seems like the torch has now been passed. And, and we, uh, we've seen this for a while. The bombers are the class of the league, but let's move on to the jets. I need to ask you, you're primarily covering the jets, right? Um, yep, that, is this yeah, it? Yeah. Is this it? Is this the off season? Like, is, are we going in with this? Like what, what percentage do you think that, okay, whatever we have now is the lineup and this is what we're going to see. Yeah. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, every day that passes, we get closer to the end of summer, right. And the end of, you know, or the start of training camp, which is, you know, a month and a half away now, less than that, you know, before training camp kicks off. I mean, they have the, Young Stars Tournament, I think that's like early September, like the mm-hmm. 12th or 13th or whatever the dates are. Maybe it's a little later than that, but either way, I mean, we're, we're not, we're inside two months until training camp starts. And this team has, uh, you know, on arguably is not as good as it probably was last year. I mean, you've already lost Eric Comrie. I don't believe that Paul Stasny is returning. Um, you know, you, you've got Pierre Lutubois on a one year your deal who knows i mean something could still happen there although i'm i'm not sure i'm expecting that at the moment um but there's it, it's really quiet on the jets front and you know that's notoriously the way it is with kevin shovel day off he's he's quite tight-lipped about whatever's going on but 
it, it's quiet everywhere else. Uh, you know, the Jets aren't in on anybody really. There's not a lot of people to be in on anymore. I mean, you know, you, you know, there was some I don't know maybe a rumor about the Nazem Kadri thing or whatever. I mean, that no, was, that, that wasn't, wasn't a wasn't rumor. True. That that uh, wasn't a rumor. That was fake. There, yeah, no I, I, I figured as much because it, no. nobody was talking about it and nothing I had heard that was no. anything about that. But, you know, that's the thing. Like, this is the way it is. I mean, I, you know, it. I don't know how fans are going to you – well, know, I know how fans are going to view it. I mean, they're not going to be happy that not a lot's going on and you might have gotten worse in the backup goaltending spot and you're not going to have Paul Stasny to kind of keep the team together glued. What's going to happen to Blake? I, I don't know. What ha- how does Blake Wheeler – who I, I don't know how Blake Wheeler comes into the dressing room in in September in training camp as the captain of this team after essentially you know he he, he's, he hasn't made it clear but we know that it's a mutual decision to try and find him his way out of here. How does that work? I mean I I have no idea. Um, so that's going to be interesting um, if nothing happens there and and they can't find a way to trade his contract and you know the idea of holding on to. To, or not holding on to any of that salary it seems insane to me because you're going to have to. I mean, that's just the way it works. I don't know how you dump $8 million in salary to a player, to, to a place where probably they're going to want, you know, Blake Wheeler's not going to want to go to Arizona. And so that kind of takes yeah, it out okay. of the running, right? So I, I, I just, yeah, go, no, go ahead. I, I was just like, say, I don't know where it's going. I so. don't think Wheeler's going anywhere. No one wants to no. take on salary. Um, excuse me, cap space is the most valuable thing yeah, in the NHL right now, and it seems like they don't want to retain salary from the reports that we've seen. So I don't know how you trade him when you see Oliver Bjorkstrand, who's a good, productive player oh. on a good contract, go for two picks. Um, yeah. so, w- waiters in the chat says, "What's the difference between a real rumor and a fake rumor? A real rumor is from a hockey insider, verified check mark, Elliot Friedman, Bob McKenzie, Darren Dreger, Frank, whoever. That was a fake rumor put out." Uh, from you know a podcast or something. Yeah, and maybe like, you know, the cadre. Yeah, and, and 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 a rumor, a fake rumor, and a real rumor. I mean, a real rumor isn't a rumor if it's if it's yeah. you know because it's it there there is truth to it at some point and it's verified by you know sources and that sort of thing. Right. The cadre stuff was never verified by anybody. Nobody could verify it. And so when you go and check in on that and you're told no or this isn't you know there's no nothing here. Or nobody even gets back to you on it. It's a good sign usually that, well, not always on the nobody gets back to you on a part. But when nobody else is talking about this, or some, some random hockey blog or whatever it was, I mean, that's kind of where you kind of, you have to respect the fact that the reporters who do the reporting are reporting. And if it's not being reported, oftentimes it's not, it's not happening. And, you know, so that's kind of how it works. But but, you know, that one was false. I mean, of course we looked into it, but there's just nothing there to it. I mean, and I don't think the Jets were ever entertaining the idea of Nazem Kadri because I don't believe they wanted to sign a Nazem Kadri, I think is 29 or 30 this year. I can't remember call what, what age he is right now, to a long-term deal. That just goes against what they do. They're going to have contracts coming up, with the likes of Cole Perfetti, Vili, Analef, he plays, Dylan Sandberg, those guys, right? Um, not to mention some of the other guys with Lucius and all that. Yeah, I, I, given how, how long I've covered this team, I'm not I'm not totally shocked that they're not going out and taking a swing here, because this team always looks so far down the road when it comes to contracts, right? You're going to have the the McGroarties, and you're going to have the Chaz Lucius's, and and, and as I said earlier, you're going to have you know Cole Perfetti's and and the defenseman, the young D. 
my only issue is, okay, that's fine and all, but you're going to have to play them, right? I mean, you can keep kicking the can down the road on some of these defensemen, but I, I do worry about how that affects their long-term future in this city and how long they want to play here, right? And so, you know, this team has lost some good talent, whether it's Jacob Truba or Andrew Kopp or Patrick Liney, from well, maybe not Andrew Kopp as much, but, it, you know, maybe poor usage or or just not getting the best out of those guys or not putting them in the best positions to win. I'll, Jacob Truba was maybe a different situation. He was the first-pairing defenseman, one of the best shutdown pairs in the league in the 2017-18 season, even in 2018-19, although there were some injuries there. Um, for both of I believe in that season, but um, yeah, I, it's uh, I'm not surprised the Jets aren't doing much. I just don't know how to sell hope to a fan base that 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 was stripped of it of last season. How how poorly last season went. I don't know how you sell that other than taking your beating right now as they've done. You know, through all of us writing about it, talking about it, everybody's talked about how slow this summer's been, not understanding. Not entirely sure what the Jets are doing, uh, but you know the only thing that cures that is winning, and it's just hard to imagine that this team coming back the same way, uh, maybe with just a new coach, um, changes something wildly into that turns this team from you know well out of the playoff line to a contender. I, I don't see that. I mean, I, I see the Jets as being a bubble team at best going into this season and then see what happens, I suppose. But that's also contingent on Connor Hellbuck playing out of his mind. And, and you know, that, that's what would help Winnipeg get to the playoffs for the three years previous, or four technically. Um, well, four, three technically, four if you include the playoff bubble, um, which they didn't actually get into the playoffs technically, but the stats were, I think, recorded from those lines as playoff points. Anyway, it's a weird situation there, but... I, I think that's where it is. I mean, I think that's you're going to be riding Connor Hellebuck again and, and hoping that Mark Shifley has kind of a, a I, wouldn't, I don't know if it's a bounce back year, but at least a better year defensively. I mean, he's still a point per game player. Um, and then, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what does Blake Wheeler look like this year if he's on the team? It, it, that's a weird situation too. And, and how many of the young defensemen are going to get to play? How it's currently, because I, I, where's the room? I mean, I, I see one spot where Logan Stanley is, that's up for grabs. Who who else is not playing? It's not going to Nate Schmidt's going to play. Brendan Dillon's going to play. Dylan DeMello's going to play. Josh Morrissey and Neil Pionk are going to play. So how do you fit three, maybe four, arguably, prospects in there? And I won't even, maybe let's say go three. I don't want to include Logan Stanley because I think Dylan Sandberg took that step up. And I, I understand that you can argue about depth and having, there's always going to be injuries and stuff like that. But Billy and and Dylan Sandberg and and arguably even Declan Chisholm need to play some meaningful NHL games this year. And two of those three, Billy and and, and Sandberg, in my opinion, should be playing full time in the NHL this year. Um, one at 23, I believe, and the other at 20. So it, it, it's time to you know, for lack of a better term, you know, crap or get off the pot. And the Jets need to start playing some of their young players more. I I, I know they talked about Cole Freddie going to have. An expanded role, Morgan Barron. I mean, Culver Freddie was already having an expanded role last year before he got injured. And and Morgan Barron, I think they found somebody in him. But that, again, I don't know if Morgan Barron's going to be your next, you know, superstar on this team. He's a he's a good bottom six kind of player. Um, but this team hasn't really improved at all during the summer. Um, and and you can make the argument that they've only gotten worse. You know, some of the 
the losses that they, they've kind of incurred with Stasny and, and, and Eric Comrie not here. So it, it's, a, it, it's a bit of a head scratcher. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I've tried to sit down and kind of write about it and think about it through, and I just I don't know where this team is at. It's hard to kind of wrap your head around. I'll say this. I do, I'll do. i weigh in on a couple things. Nazem Kadri still unsigned. I do wonder if teams are realizing... Yeah. Since the uh, you know since that horrible free agent class a couple of years ago, the Andrew Ladd one, where all of them busted. <laughs> yeah. Was it Bacchus, uh, Ladd? Was Franz Nielsen in there? Lucic, Louis Erickson. Yeah. Teams are like, hey, you know what? We're not. We're going to start giving money to our RFAs because by the time they get to UFA, they're already on the downside, uh, downside of the career. Uh, Blake, you touched on Blake Wheeler, how he comes back as captain. I agree. They need to do a leadership change. Seemed pretty clear after the comments from the players last yeah. season. Um, but I don't think you're going to be able to trade him, if, even if there is mutual interest in that. And before we go, I did want to do one. Oh, yeah, the, they're, they're not. I think I'm going to say I don't think they're done. I don't think this is it. You have too many defensemen. Something's got to give. There are, However, there are teams over the salary cap, but I wanted to touch on this early on. The Kyler... Yamamoto signing <clears throat> happened yesterday. They signed him to a two-year contract in Edmonton, $6.2 million. Yamamoto, 23 years old, smallerish guy. He did have a pretty good season last year, 41 points in 81 games. We've heard rumors all summer about them wanting to get rid of Jesse Pugliarvi. Well, well, you go to Cap Friendly, Scott, and you look at the Edmonton Oilers, they're $6 million yeah. over the cap. $6 million over. $6 million over. So... If you want to turn <clears throat> yeah. fan sentiment in Winnipeg, trade trade some picks for Pugliari. It seems like no one else wants him or they would have traded him for now. They need to make a trade, kind of like how Columbus did with Bjorkstrand. And then maybe you can try and go sign. You got the Jets have $8 million left, according to Cap Friendly. You do have to sign Appleton, who's going to be like, what, between yeah. one and two, August 11th arbitration date. Yeah, you know, go sign one of these Milano or Rodriguez, and look, Puliarvi, right shot already solves your right shot problem. Then you sign Evan Rodriguez. Hey, I just played yeah. NHL 22 via GM mode. <laughs> Jets bottom six, it's fixed. There, there, there go. we go. So I, and also you have all these defensemen, but like who? I don't know but what you're going to yeah. do. No one wants to take on any salary. I think it. Uh, uh, but I think, I think you can shop a guy like Brendan Dillon around because yeah. it's a it's a it's a it's a friendly it's a friendly contract. I mean, there's mm-hmm. what one year left on it after this, maybe two. But even then, it's three point nine a year, and it's not that bad. Uh, you know, but they, they, you know, if you can't get rid of Blake Wheeler, you're going to have to make some cap space. And you got to realize, I believe the Jets only have. Uh, I was look. I was trying to look here while you were chatting, but I, I think they only have eighteen guys signed. So, so Mason Appleton makes that nineteen. Fetty comes back in the lineup, that makes it 20. So they yeah. still got to sign a couple more guys. I mean, they, they can put, you know, they put David Gustafson into the lineup, that makes it 21. Um, but you're, you're, you're going to want to play 22 guys on any given night, and this team's able to do that. Um, but, you know, the, the cap space, I mean, you look at it, they can potentially still have six, seven million if they got rid of, you know, after signing those guys and they got rid of maybe a Brendan Dillon, and then they could, you know, go out and try and find some of those. Bottom six pieces. I mean, this is the problem with this Jets team. You know, in past years, they've always just, you know, let's plug it with a veteran. Nate Thompson, uh, Matt Hendricks. I'm trying to think more. Anthony Peluso. Well, not Peluso, not Anthony Peluso. Uh, Beteto. 
Um, you know, they're just other guys that they've always plugged in there as like penalty killing guys. And, and, but at the same time, you've got David Gustafson, who in the, you know, with the Manto Moose, penalty kill, power play. And he's not going to play power play up here, but top line minutes. And he, uh, but he's also bred for that kind of bottom six gritty role. Uh, so he can do that. And, you know, that's the easy one here that you can put him into the lineup and then use some of that money elsewhere where you don't have to sign a veteran to, you know, a million or a million and a half kind of deal and put it somewhere else. And I like, I, I like the idea of Evan Rodriguez wrote this, you know, several weeks ago going into free agency, somebody like that, younger players, you know, kind of in the, you know, area of their kind of peak of their career um, that uh, put up some points that are, you know, dependable players that can play in, in different situations, but aren't just, you know, aging veterans that you're only going to play four minutes a night. Like, you know, this team can rebuild Adam Lowry's line better with some of these players, but they have to go out and sign them. And, and the other problem too, and we can't forget at times is not easy. Now, who wants to come to Winnipeg right now? And that's the other thing is like, you know, you could have wanted Oliver Bjorkstrand. I think Bjorkstrand had a modified yeah, no trade clause, something like that. You know, I think he would have been great here. He's a good friend of Nikolai Ehlers or both Danes. Um, but you know, it's also difficult to get a guy to kind of commit to that and kind of commit to come to a team that's kind of not heading in the right direction. So that's the other problem here. Like, you know, who wants to come to Winnipeg and how do you get, how do you sell players on the free agent market that are still here? How do you sell them on this, this city right now? And, and I'm not entirely sure. Uh, it, it's a tough job right now. And, you know, but this is the bed that the Jets have made. You know, you, you've come in, you let the culture get out of hand. You had players being very vocal about it um, at the end of the year. And then you, you combine that with a losing season well off the playoff line. And you look at this team in two years, they might be losing their starting goaltender, Mark Shifley. Uh, you know, a year after that, Kyle Connor and maybe Nikolai Ehlers, I believe, too, in the same year. Um, so what is this team going to look like in the future, too? Uh, and, you know, so you want a guy to commit here, even like Pierre-Luc Dubois, for eight years, but there's no real roadmap to success right now. And that's where the problem lies with this team is that it's difficult for anybody to want to come to a city where you might just lose. And, and, and why would, you know, you can take less money or you can take the same kind of money elsewhere um, and, and play for a team that, that has a chance to go to the playoffs. And right now I'm not sure the Jets do going into next season. Yeah. Well, Scott, I could keep going on. I will say that, yes, this is going to be a very, very interesting year with uh, two years, Wheeler's UFA, uh, Shafley's UFA, Hellebuck as well. So if they think they're going to win or make the playoffs and not be a fringe team, you know, go out and let's see a couple more moves here before the start of the season. There's still time. There's still time. So I'm holding out hope that this, this isn't it. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you did join yeah, me anytime. on my briefly lived YouTube show live from my basement. You were one of the only guests uh, <laughs> while that was around. And you're the first guest here on this show while uh, I'm in the host chair. So thank you so much, Scott. Really appreciate all of your time and looking forward to reading what you got next in the Winnipeg Free Press or Winnipeg Sun. Sorry. All good. Don't, don't I've, I've worked there before too. So <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, man. It's all good. I appreciate all it. Thanks, Scott. All right. Yeah, thanks again, thanks, Scott. Real. Yeah, I'm good. There he was, Scott Billick. Give him a follow on Twitter at Scott Billick. And hey, uh, follow us on all the social medias as well. Sports Talk WPG. I got like 2,400 on Instagram. Could be a bit higher. 
you want. If you're on there, we post some good stuff. Twitter on there. And if you are in here now and you're enjoying the show so far, hey, hit that thumbs up button. Really helps the channel grow. Red subscribe button. The race for 8K is on. And we've got Ed Tate coming up next, but before that, Hustler is going to pop in and just say hello. Winnipeg Sports Talk is brought to you in part by our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, featuring great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. With great delicious lunch options at their grab-and-go deli as well, like Vita Market salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. Be sure to visit their new fully shoppable website as well at myvita.ca to buy online, schedule a delivery, or in-store pickup. Vita Health Fresh Market with seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. F Apparel is Winnipeg's leader in custom suits for men. Winnipeg owned with a full line of custom clothing for any occasions, including shirts, suits starting at $400, dress shirts, winter jackets, chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and more. And they're the top choice in Winnipeg for wedding and grad suits. Visit them in person at 190 Smith Street downtown or check them out online or book an appointment at F apparel that's ephapparel.com wallace and wallace is winnipeg's leader in fencing and overhead doors for over 75 years you've seen their fences and trucks all over the city they've been serving residential and commercial customers since 1946 if you need a new fence or you need the overhead door done up Wallace and Wallace has you covered. They're also the leader in boathouse doors. So if you have need for your little piece of paradise at the cottage, they can help you as well. Give them a call at 204-452-2700. Visit them at their showroom on Lawson Road off Keniston Boulevard or check them out online at wallacedoors.com or wallacefences.com. As well as our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge have an incredible summer if you're thinking about a once-in-a-lifetime trip, fly in fishing where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg. Aikens Lake is the place for you. Check them out online on all the social media channels at Aikens Lake and find out more about booking for next year right now at AikensLake.com. There's Hessler. Hey, you just showed off a Cinnaboy, or not Cinnaboy Downs, the Aikens Lake. He is there now. Hopefully catching what? What does he call them? Those big trophy fish. I'm not a big fisher guy, but uh, hopefully he caught a bunch of them. And he's got some good stuff here on social uh, on social media. I know he took uh, some microphones that we use for this. Maybe he's got something cooked up. There may be a drone out there. We'll wait and see. But we're all here, preview, ready to preview the Bombers game tonight against Montreal. Huge one, looking to go from 8-0 to 9-0. I caught up earlier with Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com. Touch on what we might see tonight. Here it is. Ed, thank you so much for hopping on with me today. Really appreciate it. How are things? Things are real good. Remo, anytime you're in Montreal, it's a good thing. Yeah, I've never been. I got to make it, uh, make it down for a game. But um, before we get to tonight's game against the Alouettes, I want to go back to Saturday. I mean, what a game that was against the Calgary Stampeders. Um, the Bombers just keep rolling. Um, what do you? What are your big biggest takeaways from what we saw on Saturday? Yeah, it was a. It was kind of an instant CFL classic, wasn't it? Um, seven lead changes. Uh, 
you know, I think a lot of people thought Winnipeg would run out of gas in that game just because of how crazy the schedule's been. Uh, tonight's game will be the sixth game in 32 days, which seems incredible. Uh, and I just think that a lot of people thought with the uh, all the injuries that had piled up and just the fatigue factor that they might uh, hit a wall in Calgary on Saturday. But, man, they found another gear. That's as good as Zach Caleros has played. Brady Oliveira, over 100 yards rushing. Uh, if anything, that was their best game of the season and their maybe their best performance in a while because uh, it was just it was that complete. Um, and, you know, now you get into Montreal and you kind of got to keep this thing rolling. And that's what a lot of the guys have been talking about this week is, uh, again, just go one and oh, it's the cliche that they keep spitting out, but it works for them. It's amazing to me to watch this Bombers team compared to what we've seen from the past. You know, it used to be Calgary would play against the Bombers and, you know, the Bombers would play great and Calgary would somehow eke out the win. And now the Bombers, you know, they play bad against Edmonton and win or not their best. You know, they play and, you know, do just enough to beat Calgary twice, stomp all over BC, who people were crowning uh, the best team in the league. You think we're taking this Bombers team for granted? Because I don't know if we're truly realizing, like, how great they are in terms of Bombers teams of, well, the past, I don't know, 30-plus years? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. And sometimes, you know, when you're so focused on the moment, you forget to kind of take a step back and look at the big picture. And it's a great question because. Uh, like no bomber team has started off a season eight and zero since 1960, so we're talking about a long time ago. The home record of late, and it seems like Winnipeg hasn't been at home for a long time. They are next Thursday, but the home record is astonishing. And we're on this run now. You know, the, if you think of Zach Caleros's record, four and zero to end 2019. He goes 11 and two in the regular season last year. He didn't start the one game here in Montreal. And he wins two playoff games, and now he's eight and zero again here this season. That's twenty five and two. That those are historic numbers, and and I think sometimes it's a great point, uh, Remo. You, you've got to kind of you know it's, again another cliche, but you got to stop and smell the, the flowers or enjoy the drinks here a little bit because this is we're in, like you, you're right. There's been a lot of times where. There'd be a lot of Winnipeg teams that were close but couldn't finish it out, or Calgary would find some sort of play at the end and beat them on a game like last Saturday. So, yeah, let's just uh, – I find myself having to take a step back and, and just look at some of the numbers that are on the, the game notes and some of the things that we've been able to dig up and think, man, not since 1960? Man, I'm old, and that's even older than me. Yeah, someone was asking me, uh, they were just commenting on the Bombers' uh, win streak this year and last year, saying, like, when has a team done that? Well, it was Calgary in 2016 and 17 right. had had those great seasons. And I know the Bombers have won back-to-back great cups, but I think this really felt like a passing a, of the torture from Calgary, you know, at the Calgary area, even though it maybe didn't end with as many great cups as they would have liked. And now the Bombers, back-to-back. And, I mean, you ha- they are definitely the favorite now uh, for this year's. Great cup, but you mentioned Zach Caleros, twenty-five and two as a Crazy. starter, which uh, is incredible. Because even when you know he doesn't have his best game, uh, the defense allows him to win. But then he has games like uh, on Saturday where he threw for four touchdowns. And even since his first game here, I just remember that pass to Darvin Adams. I don't know if that was That's one right. of his first games where he scrambles and his ability to find room in the pocket. It's it's pretty incredible to watch um, him and Dalton Schoen named top performers of the month um i mean what can you i guess you already spoke about zach but how about dalton shown 440 receiving yards and 
and five touchdowns. I mean, this guy's got to be runaway for rookie of the year in the CFL. Yeah, he really is off to a great start. And it's funny because uh, when guys come up here, Remo, usually you have to give them a little bit of time to figure out the waggle or the three down game or how to find spots on the field to get open. And he's already got it figured out. He had, he had is such a quick study for this league. Um, it's interesting. Yesterday we were on the bus. Some of the people that had to get to the hotel faster to do media uh, go on a separate bus. And so I was on the bus with uh, and Zach, the players that were on there were Jackson, Jeffcoat, Nick Dembski, Dalton, Dalton and Zach. And Nick, Zach and Dalton were all looking at the play sheet already. And I thought, man, don't you guys take any time off? But they were looking at the play sheet and studying it. And you could there was a, a kind of a conversation going on between the three of them. And Dalton was talking about some things that he sees on a certain play. And I just thought, wow, there's, this is a guy that's played eight CFL games, a rookie, and he's already, uh, you know, kind of in a give and take conversation with, with one of the most experienced quarterbacks in this league about what he sees out there. So I think the Bombers have something special with this guy. And you're right, if he can stay healthy, then I think they could probably start scratching his name in on that trophy already. Yeah, one thing about Dalton Schoen, you know, is he having too good of a season? I mean, uh, Dave Naylor tweeted earlier this week that he reminds him of a rookie, Brandon Zilstra, who I remember catching balls from Mike Riley in Edmonton. Now he's in the NFL. I mean, do you think it's possible that Dalton Schoen could make the jump after the season or in the future? Yeah, it's a, it is a good question, and it's kind of an unknown right now. But yep. He's had his two, he had two shots already in the NFL, so I don't know if that works against the guy sometimes or helps because if he puts up, it continues to put up these kind of numbers, um, you know, I think uh, there's almost less of a risk for an NFL team to take a look at him because they know he's already been in a camp, that he's a pro, that he's got this, figure, this, this game figured out. Uh, I, I think it's, it's inevitable that he's going to get NFL interest now. It, it's all about the right situation, right? If you don't get upfront money from an NFL team, and we're talking hypotheticals here, we're talking about what might happen in the winter, but if you don't get significant upfront money and you go to an NFL camp again and you don't make the team, then you basically lost half a CFL season and half of your potential paycheck. So that's something that he'll have to really weigh uh, at the end of this year. And I mean, I think like a lot of fans, I'm hoping that, uh, uh, he, I'm hoping he has a fantastic year, but nobody in the NFL pays attention and he stays. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, been a question we've been getting in, in the chat. Uh, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's just enjoy right. what we're seeing uh, right. this season because I want to get to the injury report. Greg Ellingson, he's still out for this game. Jackson Jeffcoat is back, but it seems like the receiver group with Schoen and Dembski coming back last week was huge. And you spoke about him with Hustler, what he brings, and he brought two touchdowns, uh, you know, right off the hop. Um, what, do, what do you see from this week's injury report other than um, Jeff Coat back? I think that's going to be big for the defense, of course, yeah. and Ellingson still out. Yeah, um, the Ellingson thing is a, is a bit uh, – I thought he would be back already. I don't know if he had another knock in, in practice or they're just deciding because the schedule's been so crazy that to give him another break and he'd be back next week. I haven't honestly heard – uh, Remo, when, when he's going to be back. Um, the Jeffco thing is huge. I thought the Bombers got a really good game out of Cedric Wilcox last week in Calgary, but there's no question that when Jackson Jeffcoat's on the field, he, he makes this defense better. He makes 
there's less attention that uh, teams can pay to Willie Jefferson. So that's going to free him up, do more of what he does. Uh, and Jackson Jeffco was a CFL all-star last year. His numbers this year are, he's got, he hasn't got a sack yet. He's got a forced fumble and an interception, but I think they're going to come. The sack totals will come and he's just a dynamite player. So the Bombers defense is going to be a lot better. You mentioned the other guys on the injury report. One of the other significant ones is Malcolm Thompson, the safety who's been replacing Brandon Alexander, was moved from the one-game injured to six-game injured. So that means that uh, Nick Hallett, who played really well in Calgary, will get another start uh, tonight in Montreal, and we'll have a few in a row here until Brandon Alexander gets back. Yeah, we're, we're all waiting for uh, B.A. to make his return to the lineup, but defense seems to be... Moving along, I mean, one thing that's so impressive to me about this defense is, yeah, teams can move yards on them, but when it gets to the red zone, um, you know, teams are kicking field goals. You saw that from Calgary, their first three, um, you know, opportunities, they're kicking field goals. Um, and it's just been a constant theme, I think, for the Bombers defense. How are they doing this, where they just seem to clamp down? And I'm always remembered of the, uh, I always remember the play in the Grey Cup. When Hamilton got right there, and that's just what they've been doing. I I don't know how how they do it. I mean, teams get there and they can't they can't punch it in. Yeah, you know I I think that if you ask defensive guys, they'll hate the term bend but don't break because mm-hmm. they don't want to bend it at all. They just they want to get you off the field with a two and out. Um, it is pretty fascinating though, and Cal- the Calgary game was a pretty good case study in that. Um, Calgary put up a lot of yards and pushed the ball into into the red zone, but couldn't finish and kicked a lot of field goals, which in a tight game like that was big. Um, as to how they do it, I, you know, um, it almost seems like they get kind of snarlier in the red zone. They just don't want to give up those scores. They have that motto, 0-1-3. They don't want to give up uh, any touchdowns. And they gave up a couple last week, but um, that, that's bound to happen. This, this This defense is just really stingy. And I think it's only going to get better because, you know, we're talking about a team that didn't have Jackson Jeffcoat, that hasn't had Brandon Alexander all year. So they're on their third safety here, would be their third safety. Demario Houston didn't start the season at corner. He's been really good. Um, and, and, you know, like even Donald Rutledge Jr. is new. Uh, Clements is new at the linebacker spot. So I think that as we go on here, that I'm hoping there's less bend from the defense and they get even stingier uh, before they get to the red zone. The one thing that's so impressive to me about the Bombers' start to the season is we just keep mentioning how they haven't even been healthy. It's, it's, you know, it's scary to think they could be even better. Jeff Goat, as you said, hasn't been in. Ellingson hasn't been in. They finally got Dembski back, Brandon Alexander, and um, he hasn't been in either. So it's kind of kind of salivating thinking like what we're going to see down the stretch when the schedule gets less crazy they have three buys and you know you can rest uh, into the playoffs um Brady you know the run game was something that we talked about a lot of course Andrew Harris leaving and you're seeing what he's doing in Toronto and you've had some games where uh Brady Oliveira has struggled especially uh last game you know the first game against Calgary he had eight yards on nine carries yeah. I mean right. he a huge huge breakout game 110 yards he looked, I don't know, he looked quicker. Uh, the holes were bigger. He was hitting them with speed. Um, is this just a case of him adjusting more to the role or was, did the offensive line um, really step up last game against a, a tough Calgary defense? 
You know, I think it was it's probably a little bit of both. It, it seemed to me that he got a little bit better in the Edmonton game. So the week previous, he ran hard. There were some hard yards there. And a lot of people were saying the exact same thing. What happened? Like, it looked like a different Brady Oliveira on Saturday in Calgary. He did hit the holes quicker. He did run with more authority. And he even said after the game uh, that there was some hesitation in what he was doing. And he had to remind himself that he's kind of a north-south runner and just that it's, you know, it's what he does. He runs over people. And then yesterday at the availability here with the media availability uh, with the players, uh, Zach Calero said um, that one of the things that gets lost sometimes is how good Brady is in pass protection. And if you look at, there's an end zone shot of Dembski's second touchdown and uh, Brady picks up somebody on, I'm not sure if it was a blitz, but he picks up somebody and uh, it, it's, it's critical in the, in the touchdown throw. So um, I, I don't know. It's funny. You'd think that all athletes have a ton of confidence, but it seemed like Brady needed a bit of a confidence boost and he got it last week and we'll see if he can carry it on to, uh, to again tonight against Montreal. Montreal's got the worst run, second worst run defense in the league. So I think there's going to be opportunity for him to build on what he did last week. I read that in your game notes, actually, Ed, and then I looked at Oliveira's stats the last two games, 110 yards on 15, and then the game before, 62 on 13. Um, the cool bet had his over-under at 50, so I may have uh, taken a, a longer look at that after reading about Montreal's defense. It seems like they're very committed to him. You know, Augustine at times has uh, the longer um, yards per carry, but they really see, seems like they really see Oliveira as Andrew Harris 2.0 or Andrew Andrew Harris light and he's more the uh, up the middle kind of guy but you saw him you know break his longest uh, longest run of the season on Saturday 31 yards yeah there, and there's going to be the inevitable comparisons to to Andrew Harris I mean they yeah. come from the same high school and everything too right so there's a, a lot of uh, people are connecting dots there um, but he's got to just be in his own self and it's I mean look let's talk talk about that it's just what a, what a tough act to follow, right? Yeah. The, it, he didn't have anything to do with the kind of the messy divorce between the Bombers and Andrew Harrison in the winter. They handed him the, the job, but uh, it's not, I think sometimes we expect instant results and he's still figuring it out. I think he's only had, uh, wrote it earlier in the week and I'm forgetting already. I think he's only had about, you know, 10, 12, 14 starts in his career. So um, let's see what he's like at the end of this year. And then it, into next year too i think there's an awful lot of talent there and i think if once he gets the chance to have just kind of see how things work a little bit more uh that he, that he's only going to get better let's remember that when andrew harris started uh you know he was a kick returner and he was being seen as a a, a receiver before wally buono decided to give him a look at uh, the running back position so it doesn't come instantly for a lot of people and uh i think there's Brady is a Winnipegger, and he said after the game in Calgary, he, he wants to represent this team, his hometown team, and he wants to be a star, and he was a little bit stunned sometimes by the people that were being very critical of him, and uh, I think he's that maybe is also fueling him, and it's why he looked like he was uh, running like a man possessed last Saturday. Yeah, one thing I'll say, you know, the Bombers game, the Bombers run game hasn't been there at times, but in the biggest game, the game against BC, it was certainly there, and Calgary. Uh, on the road last week was there. And sometimes we do forget Brady Oliveira he hasn't really started that much. He's a young player and it does take time. And you want these instant results after you've seen uh, Andrew Harris 
you know, here for so long and seeing what he's doing in Toronto. But, you know, with time, maybe it seems like Brady's slowly figuring out um, how to be an effective runner uh, in the CFL. Um, we haven't really talked about the opponent, the Montreal Alouettes. I mean, they're in the East. We know the Bombers have as many wins as all the teams in the East combined. They got two <laughs> wins on the year. Trevor Harris starting. What do we make of this Montreal Alouettes team? Seems like they got off to a really poor start in game one when William Stanback got hurt and really um, kind of you know, was one of their you know, few big offensive weapons. I know uh, in your game notes you mentioned uh, Eugene Lewis is a player to watch for Montreal. Yeah, it's a it's a funny team because you look at their roster and you think that this isn't bad. This is a team that can maybe compete for the division, but they've kind of been a bit of a mess this year, Remo. I mean, they already fired Kahari Jones and, and Baron Miles, their D coordinator, and I don't see noticeable improvement under Danny Machocha. Maybe it's going to come. Um, but there's been some whispers, you know, that that, Kahari was really popular uh, with the with the Alouette players, um, and you know when you make a move like that, you you can either galvanize a room or lose it, and I, that's where the Alouettes are in a dangerous spot right now because they've got Winnipeg in back to back weeks, and uh, you know you make a coaching change, you want to see some results, instant results, and I'm not sure that we've seen a lot yet, but it is again Trevor Harris has been around. I think he's 42, 42, and two as a starter. So, he, you know, he's a guy with over 80 starts as a quarterback in this league. You mentioned Eugene Lewis. He hurt the Bombers last year in the game here. Jake Wenicke is a is an outstanding receiver. They've got some questions up front on their own line. Um, and then with the change of defensive coordinators, Noel Thorpe is now the defense coordinator. I was talking to Zach Claris about this yesterday. And um, you don't know what you get with, with Noel Thorpe. I mean, you can study what his defenses have done in the past, but there, he, he likes to throw different wrinkles at you. Sometimes it's all about pressure. Sometimes it's dropping a bunch of people back into coverage. So we'll see what they look like defensively tonight. But uh, um, it's kind of a, the Alouettes are kind of in a strange spot right now because I think they're better than what their record indicates. But uh, you are who you are, right? And uh, I, I guess there's still a bit of a mystery to me. Yeah, the Bombers, five-and-a-half-point favorites most of the week. I looked shortly before this. They're a six-point favorite now, and I agree with you. I was I was big on the Vernon Adams-led right. Alouettes last year. He made some explosive plays, but he also made some explosive mistakes, and I think that's why they went with Trevor Harris. I don't think he's been been much, uh, much better, but um, right. Eugene Lewis, I mean, that guy can make plays, and we've seen some receivers have big games against the Bombers. Uh, against the Bombers this year, so he'll be a player to watch. Uh, the Bombers, they are 8-0, going for 9-0. I know Mike O'Shea says one game at a time, but is there any talk at all about a perfect season, or is it just us here you know, speculating what could happen? You know, if you ever brought that up with yeah. Mike O'Shea, <laughs> you get that laser death stare right into you, it bore a hole right into your skull. Uh, nobody is thinking about that. Nobody has talked about it. Um, it's, it, you know, it's funny when you have such a good buy-in on the, all the things that Mike O'Shea talks about, you know, next man up, go one and all each week. And so one of the latest ones is 
whatever the circumstances are, they're perfect, right? If it's raining, it's perfect. If it's snowing, it's perfect. If we're playing six games in 32 days, it's perfect. So there's a considerable buy-in on all of this. And, and the buy-in only gets enhanced, right, when it works. And so when you're on this phenomenal run that they are over the last two and a bit years, uh, whatever the coach says is gospel. And uh, so when they talk about going one and oh, that's what they're talking about. It's just tonight's game. And if you said, if you brought up that, that note <laughs> of going perfect, uh, being perfect this year, you would be probably fined. Uh, you might have to sit out a game. <laughs> and if anybody on the staff says it, you're in big trouble. I will say my favorite O'Shea comment from this year was, I think, was it the first game when Drew Brown came in late after Zach had to be removed for a concussion yep. protocol? And they asked him, what do you, know, you think about Drew Brown? He's like, oh, I knew he would be ready 100%. I had full, full confidence. And I, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he did, but um, I know a lot of fans there were thinking, you know, with Drew Brown coming in and needing key first downs, they're like, oh, man, we're kind of yep. hooped, kind of hooped here. But uh, he's got full confidence. And one thing you, you talk about O'Shea, I mean, how has he kept this team, you know, with such a good mindset? Is that how? Just one game at a time? Because you mentioned this crazy schedule, and we always compare it to another team in town, which would always talk about the schedule as well. But it's, again, we I know Hustler mentioned this last week. It's been crazy. Six games, 32 days. Um, it seems like they're on a short week every week as well. Five of six on the road. I mean, how are they, how are they doing it? Just is it that one game at a time? mentality everything's everything's always perfect yeah um, just it, it really is about being in the moment but you know what's interesting about that remo is that uh i heard dave dickinson the other day talking about how he breaks the season into thirds a lot of coaches talk about that in the cfl and you know if you have a good third i heard a lot you hear lots of coaches do it they do it in hockey whatever we went uh you know eight and two in that 10 game stretch or we were seven and three but the funny thing about O'Shea, and it's why he doesn't do this, is that if if you break the season into thirds and you say, okay, we went four and two in the first third, that's great. His reply would be, okay, so which two games was it okay for us to lose, right? And so if he says the next stretch of games coming up, we, if I said to him, wow, we went – how about if we went five and one, that would be, that would be awesome. And he'd say, well, which game are you thinking that it's okay for us to lose? And that, so that's why he doesn't break it down into um, chunks like that. It's, there's no sense worrying about the Labor Day game or the banjo bowl or any kind of matchup down the road. Worry about tonight against Montreal and then let the the rest happen. It's, I know it, it people roll their eyes and, and, and think it sounds cliche, but look, he could write a, a a book on this now because of the success they've had, and it would probably sell very well. At least a lot of coaches would probably buy it because whatever the formula is, it's working right now in Winnipeg. Yeah, and I also I'll never forget. I mean, the first couple of years of O'Shea and Richie Hall were were rough, but mm-hmm. um, I don't think anyone's saying that uh, last you know couple of years and and this year as well. The the turnaround this franchise has made from the 2010s. Uh, when you know we always enjoy listing off the quarterbacks, um, it's, it's still still been incredible, incredible to me. We are looking forward to this game today against the Alouettes. They play the Alouettes next week, and then three against Saskatchewan in September. Um, before we go, Ed, I do have to ask you. 
I know saw you tweeting about this Valor FC uh, with the big win yesterday against Calvary, and they play again another home game on Sunday against York. It seems like they're kind of heating up here as we approach the end of the season. Yeah, um, the game, uh, the last two games I haven't been able to cover because of conflicts with the Bombers, yeah. but of course I've been watching them from afar. Mm-hmm. I went to their training session on uh, Monday, Remo, and they had that controversial game against uh, Pacific where they were winning one nothing, and then there was a really weak yellow card on uh, Daniel Asiano in the in the box that uh, they had to play a man down for about 30 minutes and gave up two goals. Um, but at their practice on Monday, man, they were really surly. Uh, and it was, you know, it's just the frustration of a call like that that can cost you a game and a playoff chase. And I was talking to Philip DeSantos and Andrew Jean-Baptiste after the, the training. And I said, you know, this is this one of those moments that can either kill you guys or make you stronger? And I guess the evidence last night against Cavalry was that it makes you stronger because they took that, whatever you want to call it, that uh, uh, that anger, that frustration, they took it out on Cavalry and it looked like a pretty amazing game. So uh, they've got York on Sunday, uh, still a good stretch of home games here coming up at IG Field and a, a real chance for them to get back into the Canadian Premier League playoff uh, fight. Well, Ed, thank you so much for coming on. It was a great talk with you. Can't wait for another, uh, what should be an exciting Blue Bomber game tonight in Montreal. Appreciate it, Remo. Thanks for having me on, and have a good day. What a great conversation with Ed Tate from BlueBombers.com. Man, does that guy, I could throw anything at him. He's like, yeah, I didn't really see, you know, I haven't really been following the Valor because I've been with the Bombers, and then, Basically sounded like he had been following them pretty closely uh, from his answers. So uh, great talking with Ed about the Bombers tonight and Valor, little Valor at the end. So uh, we got Brandon Ruicki coming up next. We're going to talk about who knows hockey. It's August and maybe some Bombers as well. Before we get to Brandon, uh, Hustler's got some stuff to say as well. Winnipeg Sports Talk is brought to you in part by Princess Auto, where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panit Road or Portage Avenue West, or shop online at princessauto.com 24-7, 365. And don't forget to attend the Princess Auto tailgate party two hours before each Blue Bomber home game outside of IG Field. Culligan Water celebrating over 65 years in business as a family-owned go-to people for all things water in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. Whether it's water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, drinking water systems, or citywide water delivery services, Culligan has you covered, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether for the home, the cottage, or the office, Culligan's there for you. Pop by and see him at 1200 Sergeant Avenue, 694-5180, or online at drinkculligan.com. Royal Sports has been the leaders in all things sports for 40 years here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba with the best selection of fan-licensed merchandise from all the big leagues, NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, CFL, and international soccer. 
and of course the hockey superstore but much more than just hockey soccer softball baseball tennis a huge bike selection and a lot of people taking up disc golf. They've got a huge selection of that as well. Whether you're getting ready for the upcoming season or trying to get the most out of summer, Royal Sports is the place to go. 750 Pemina Highway. And make sure to check them out on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina and give them a follow for the latest merchandise drops and sales. And of course, our friends at Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club looking very forward to the Canadian mid Women's Mid-Amateur and Senior Championship coming up later on this summer. But if you are thinking about an incredible championship course and facility for you and your family for your golfing future, give our friend Corey Johnson a call at Breezy Bend about getting on the waiting list for next season or find out more on everything Breezy has to offer at breezybend.ca. All right, we got Brandon Ruicki all set in the green room to hop in. But hey, I just want to let everyone know if you're watching this right now on YouTube, you right there, hit the thumbs up. Uh, let YouTube know this is quality content. It'll help uh, show it to more people with the almighty YouTube algorithm. And if you're not subscribed, hit the red, the red button as well. And the notification bell. I think like only 10% of our subs have the notification bell. Come on, hit it. You'll get notified. In case you forget, wherever on, or if we have a surprise show, really important stuff right there. And uh, I know there's probably people watching who don't have a YouTube account. Just sign in. Use your uh, Gmail. Um, let YouTube know what you like, and then it'll it'll show you all, all the best stuff. Um, but here, let's go. We got Brandon Ruicki in the house with me right now. Brandon, welcome. How's it going? Remo, how's it going? I'm sweating over here, man. My heart's racing. Never done a show. First time. Place hasn't burned down. We had Scott on, and now you here. I see people throwing the hair emoji in the chat, of course. So always great. Thank you for popping on. What's new with you? Yeah, not too much, man. Um, it's actually my wife's birthday today, so... Nice. Yesterday was was the busy day for me, making sure that everything's you know planned and ready to go. But told her that just because it's your birthday doesn't mean I can uh, miss out on my uh, my weekly hit with Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yes. So she was cool with that. But it's gonna it's gonna cost me a dinner later tonight. Yes, dinner, flowers. I've been hitting um, Costco flowers lately. Although I'm sure oh, there's no. some very local, some great local places as well, which I have I have gone to. But that's my personal. That's my personal move these days. Before we get into it, I wanted to ask you because, you know, we got Ken. Someone's trying to call me. I don't know why. It's probably one of the spam calls. Uh, Ken is going to the Jays game in Minneapolis. Mike McIntyre sports road trips. I talked about one of my favorite ones where I went to see um, Vancouver playoff game against the Minnesota Wild. But another one, and this is a good one, wearing the visiting team at a playoff game. I went to the Jays Royals ALCS, drove overnight with some friends would never recommend doing that again. It wiped me for a week, but it was worth it to see. Um, oh man, who was the guy who lost it in the sun on the David price game? Anyways, we were all wearing Jays jerseys and normally you'd think, Hey, the Casey fans would be like, you guys are Jays fans. Get out of here. Everyone was so, so nice. Oh, thanks for coming. They're so nice to us. It was awesome. So I don't know if you got any stories of a uh, good memorable sports road trip, but it's summer. And we're talking about vacations. You got anything before we get into uh, hearing about, you know, the lack of activity in the Jets offseason? We can just start with this. 
Yeah, no, sports road trips. There, there's two that do come to mind for me. Um, one of them was a football one. Um, I I won. I don't know why it was planned this way, but I won Vikings tickets at a social on Saturday night. The only problem was that the tickets were for the game in about, you know, 13, 14 hours away. So, so me, me and a buddy, it was only two tickets. Me and a buddy just got in a car, got our passports, and, and drove down to Minneapolis, like, through the night. And on top of it, an actual blizzard overnight, too. So it was pitch black. Um, it was, like, from midnight to about... 9 to 10 a.m. because it was just it, it, it was such a delay with how bad the roads were but we eventually got to the stadium we we didn't even get a hotel we just you know slept in the car because we didn't have time to do anything else and uh it, it ended up being an absolute beauty of a night it was actually Packers Vikings too on top of it all and I think Aaron Rodgers threw for like a thousand touchdowns in the game so I mean the, the game was a bit of a bust but like the the memories and the and the time and and especially the uh, the evening at Stinky Pete's was uh, that that was that that was worth the drive through the night. Uh, so there was that one, and then also uh, back in '09 or 2010 when the Flyers made it to the yeah that that long ago when the Flyers were relevant, they um, that was the Stanley Cup final against Chicago, and me and most of my family drove from Winnipeg down to Philly for Game Three of the Stanley Cup final. You did. Um, it was about yeah. It was it was a few days worth of driving, um, but That's we managed far. to make it down there. And that was game three was the one that actually went to OT, and uh, Claude Giroux scored the winner in OT to give us hope that maybe Philly would break the curse and end the drought. But uh, yeah, that obviously didn't happen. But at least that game was like the only Stanley Cup final game I've ever been to. It was it was absolutely insane. And then the party afterwards out there on the street like that. It was. It was something I'll, I'll never forget for sure. Man, you didn't disappoint with those. <laughs> uh, that imagine, hey, you won a social prize and eh, the game's the next day. Like yeah. who, who planned that one? Who's who yeah. thought, who's that? Yeah, great idea? It, it worked out okay. I still I still need my leather jacket that I lost from that trip though. So if anybody sees a brown leather jacket hanging around in, in Minneapolis, if you could just shoot it back up to me, that would be great. Okay, hustler and I. We went to the hockey topics of the summer. Hustler and I didn't really talk about this yesterday. But you have to bring it up every time. So yesterday on social media, uh, I guess the Coyotes released this front office sports. Here it is. Oh, their wow. webs Their website now features the virtual seat map, providing the first look inside their 5,000-seat shared arena with Arizona State. Shout out to Front Office Sports for putting this on, on there. I mean, I look at the... Yeah, I, I look at this and, like, I'm sure it would be great to see a game, but the fact that we got to keep talking about this. It needs to be, it's being too normalized. The Coyotes playing games in a 5,000 seat arena. Like, I was going to say, does this not piss you off? Like, yes. And, and maybe we here in this specific city and province have a slightly more uh, reactive stance towards something like this. But this, it makes me so freaking angry that yes. the NHL is actually going ahead with this because imagine how quickly. The Jets would be relocated. 
if they if, if they even sniffed around the idea of say a ten thousand seat arena, right? That yay, we're gonna play at the University of Manitoba, but we, we're gonna add seats and this and this and this. The team would be in Houston yesterday. And the fact that the NHL is going ahead with this, it, it's it's an all-time joke move. Like when you talk about Bush League moves in pro sports history, this is gonna go down. I think not not NHL top five, but like pro sports top five of absolute clown show moves that you're actually going to play a full season at a freaking university with basically a third of the attendance that the next lowest team in the NHL is going to have there. It's, it's ridiculous. I can't believe we're doing this. I refuse to believe that this was going to happen. I was like, all right, yeah, they're just going to move them to Houston in like May or something. Obviously yeah. they're really doing this now, but as someone who lived here in 1996, and you heard how Winnipeg Arena wasn't viable. They would have never, never done this. Zero chance. And like, why they have such a hard on for Arizona here when it clearly, you know, it's been years of struggles. You got what? Quebec City, Houston, Kansas City. Anywhere, like, like, like literally anywhere, would be better than this, right? I, I just, I, I don't get it. And and the weird thing is, like, Bettman's pulled the plug before. Like, I mean, Atlanta, they were pretty quick to get out of that one right it's i know people say that it was overnight it was overnight (laughs) it was it's still mind-boggling to me i guess the owners were like they own the building there was nowhere other building so they're like all right it's not gonna work we're done and then overnight they came to winnipeg seemingly while being in negotiations to buy the coyotes as well there was stuff going on they thought the phoenix was going to come here and then you know, you have the arena, and they finally got their new arena. They had been trying. Oh, wait, they built it to a place no one wants to go to, where none of their fans live. Whose genius idea was that? And then now, I, like, they might have this new arena in Tempe. I don't think it's been... Uh, been it's like, like kind of confirmed, but not yeah. really. It's, it's the usual garbage coming out of that yeah, state. So, so I, I, and especially, like, Seattle and Vegas, your, your two newest homes have been smashing successes so far right like mm. why why are you so hesitant to to go somewhere and, and i kind of get them not wanting to go to quebec in a in a sense too because i mean one a west team out east there's like there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts there that i can understand might be too much of a headache to go through but like you said houston is right there kansas yes. city is, is not too far away either and even if that was just a temporary thing that to me makes a lot more sense and and is at least more professional doing that for a year and then figuring things out than playing at Arizona State University. Yeah, I just think we have, you know, I as much as I hate talking about the Coyotes and how sick we are of it, but this is going to be totally normalized playing in a five. They're talking about how great it is, how great the, I'm sure it is great, but, and well, I think the ticket prices are, are quite a bit higher. Will it fill? We'll have to wait and see. But as someone who was a fan of a team who left because, the arena wasn't up to NHL standards, according to the league. It kind of it does piss you off seeing that, but I had to bring it up. I asked this question to Scott Billick earlier, and I know you came on here last week with some hot Jets opinions. Is this it? Do you, do you think that they're done? Is this it? Are they going forward with this roster? I I I, I wish I could give you an answer. I I really don't know because I'm beyond shock that we're at this point in early August and it's the same team 
minus Paul Stasny and a downgrade at the backup goal. I, I just I didn't think it was possible. So I, I really have no idea what the plan is moving forward here. And I don't know who's going to stay and who's going to go. But but man, that to me is the, the the scariest part of all this is at least in prior jet seasons, you could look at what they were doing and whether you agreed or disagreed with it. I think there was at least a legitimate plan. And if you have if you have a plan and you're and you're following it, then you've got a lot more room for error and, and, and a lot higher likelihood of success. But what's the plan right now? Because they're not leaning towards quote unquote tanking or or trying to play their lottery odds at all. They're not opening up spots for for youngsters on the team because there's still a log jam on the back end. And they're not really going in all in either because they haven't made any moves. And it, it, it's just been it's been a bit of a dumpster fire for me, man. I, I know there haven't been, you know, any any moves that have been made that would be like crippling to the franchise or anything like that, but but this is almost like death by a thousand paper cuts in that, you know, by not doing anything, you've, you've kind of doomed yourself for this season and, and maybe next season as well. Because if, if you want to be aggressive or if you want to reload, this, this was the year to go ahead and, and push your chips in and, and do that. And now you kick this 12 months down the road, in my opinion. And I don't, I don't really get what the end game is here because, you know, on, on paper, the Jets, I think, at best have the fourth or fifth best roster in the Central Division. And that's just the Central, let alone the rest of the Western Conference here. They, they need a lot of things to go their way just to get into the playoff bubble. And, and that's a scary thought. It's, it's somewhere I, I just didn't anticipate they would be right now. I, I thought there would be a, a lot more clarity as to who's going to be here and, and who's not going to be here. And it really is unfathomable to me that one of the more toxic locker rooms that the NHL has seen in quite some time is apparently going to be run right back next year. And, and Rick bonus is going to have to be the miracle healer and he's going to have to find a way to make it all work. And I, I think that's a really, really unfair position that the Winnipeg jets are putting their new head coach. in. When a Rick bonus miracle worker, that's kind of been hustlers saying here for the last bit. I, I'm going to be like, it's like with the Coyotes arena. I refuse to believe that they were going to actually play in that arena until, you know, you see those renderings I'm like, oh, this is actually happening. I, you know, it's not training camp. It's not first game. There are teams over the cap. The Jets have all these defensemen and they don't have spots for their young players. I, I still think that there's something I, I'd like to think there's something happening and i agree if you're gonna go all you if you think you're gonna make the playoffs you got to go in this year because after this season you've been your final year of blake wheeler of mark shifley of connor hellbuck the only reason why you have an outside shot at the playoffs right now pierre-luc dubois is an rfa after this season so there could be some major turnover you know with you have players entering their final year of their contracts um well wait and see i do think defense i mean you have all these defensemen um, and no spots for the young guys. You know, injuries happen. There are teams over the salary cap. We will have to, we'll have to wait and see what happens. One team over the salary cap, uh, Edmonton Oilers, Tyler Yamamoto signing his RFA contract. One thing that's puzzling to me right now is, well, one, we've heard Jesse Pugliarvi's name mentioned on the trade block for so long. I think, are you in agreement that the Jets should go after him? And Ken Holland saying today, that he's satisfied with his offseason, but may still add. How are they going to add? They, they're $6 million <laughs> over the cap. Um, 
Is yes, you pull your RV a guy that you're in on? Depends on the price, but I, I wouldn't mind the Jets taking a flyer on somebody like that. I, I have my doubts that, you know, there's a lot of comparisons being made to pull Yarvi to Nachushkin and how Val Nachushkin, you know, took a little bit more time, but now he's evolved into a premier top of the line player. I don't, I don't know if he's ever going to be that, but if you have him penciled in as like a second or third line support piece somebody that can help drive a line then then i think he'd be a good fit here and if it costs you i don't think the cost is going to be exorbitant if the oilers eventually do decide to move on from him but if it costs you you know a lower lineup player or a mid-round draft pick i i I would be all over that um you know edmonton they they are six mil over the cap but i think they have both clefbaum and smith on long-term injury reserves so they're kind of hovering right around the spot where they need to be their forward group is loaded like they've got a really really good group of forwards and it's not just mcdavid dreisaitl but they're they're pretty deep one through 12 at edmonton this year i I do wonder about them with their decor though i know you know campbell was signed in to to help solidify the net and you know what maybe if they had jack campbell instead of mike smith last year they're going to a cup final but that that's the one missing piece right now at Edmonton. Like, is, is Nurse going to be the answer? Or can a, a Bouchard or a Broberg step up? That That's kind of the one missing piece with Edmonton right now. But you have to look at what they have up front. And, I mean, they're going to be I, – I'd be shocked if they're not one of the top four teams in the Western Conference, you know, by the time the regular season comes to an end. They can make an ad in the back end. Ooh, man, they're, they're not going to be too far away from Colorado, man. Yeah, well, we saw them go up against Colorado in the playoffs. Seemed a bit, uh, a bit far away. But if you have Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl and competent goaltending, and you know, not Mike Smith, and, yes, yeah, not Mike Smith, uh, you're in a good spot there. Um, one thing I wanted to mention as well, John Klingberg, and I think we're seeing this with these free agents. Are teams becoming hesitant to? Give big money to guys, and you've—I mean, Nazem Kadri. I don't know what you think where he's going to end up. Thirty-one years old, that should be the top guy available. Had a record season, but this John Klingberg one, man, he's going to be kicking himself down there. Jeff Merrick reporting on his show, he turned down seven by seven. I guess he was looking for eight by eight. Fired his agent, and then signs the one-year deal on Anaheim. Cost himself. It could have cost. I don't know what he's going to get next year, like a five million dollar. Contract yeah. seems to have cost himself quite a bit of money, um, you know, as when he should be cashing in as a free agent. Yeah, I mean, it de- depends if it was him or his agent who, who told him that there's something better out there than than seven by seven. If it was his agent that told him to keep going, then yeah, he's that's probably worth the firing that he got there. I I, I do think teams are getting slow, slowly, very slowly but slowly smarter when it comes to handing out big money or, or at least big term to free agents. Because this offseason, there were only two seven-year deals handed out. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau, who, you know, I, I don't think there's any arguments there. And and Vincent Trocek, that one probably isn't going to age out as well for the New York Rangers there. But those were the only two seven-year deals that were handed out. Outside of that, teams were a lot more pragmatic in, in how they spent their money in free agency, which is really, really surprising. And I, I think you're finally seeing teams realize with the with the shift in, in contracts and with the way the salary cap structure works is that 
you know, while in the past it was the the way to go to hand big money to guys hitting free agency, paying them for what they were instead of what they were going to be, the shift has finally fully been made towards guys coming off their ELC and, and RFAs in their early 20s. And you're just seeing guys get squeezed out a lot more than we're used to here. And, and that's why generally teams that are making the best deals are doing so middle end July, early August, as opposed to day one of free agency, because you get a guy like John Klingberg, if you're Anaheim on a one-year deal for that seven mil cap it. And, and for Anaheim, it's perfect, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think they're trying to make a playoff run this year, but they have way, way too much cap space to begin with. You bring him in, he runs your power play, and you ship him off at the deadline for a first-round pick and, and hopefully more. Um, I, I think we'll still see teams hand out. I don't, I don't know if the dollar amount is ever going to go away, but I do think we have kind of officially entered um, the, the, the time in free agency where teams aren't going to hand out six, seven, eight-year deals like they're candy anymore, and it's going to be an emphasis on making things short-term because ultimately that's where these deals end up biting the teams in the ass is that, you know, guys enter 35, 36 and they're not playing like the six or $7 million player that they once were. I'll never forget. I think, that, and this has happened in baseball for a while. I'll never forget the Cardinals not re-signing Albert Pujols. It seemed absolutely crazy at the time. He was a hall of fame player, but they knew that he was on the downside of his career and, you know, giving him this long, I forget what he got with the Angels. It was something stupid. He was being overpaid, you know, but $30 million to be a bench player by the end. And for hockey, I think they're now realizing, hey, you got to pay guys when they're RFAs. Lock them up long-term. You don't want to be paying UFAs because they're on the downside. And I bring back to baseball, you know, Austin Riley, he's 25 years old, just signed a 10-year $212 million contract with the Braves, which seems so absurd, 25. And it's possible that he could outperform um, yeah. that, that contract. Uh, and you have seen the Rays. I remember the Rays did it with Evan Longoria, locked him up very early long-term. And you kind of see these guys, you know, trying to nickel and dime RFAs when really you should be signing them long-term and you hope that they, uh, they outperform. Uh, as we wind on the conversation, uh, Bombers tonight. Pump, pump for the. I guess you've got your wife's birthday. You're gonna have the bomber game on in the background. I, I might PVR it. I, th- I think that's the way to go. I'm are gonna you a PVR P- it. Are you and, a PVR and, uh, sports guy? Uh, I, I would say, I would say, yeah, okay. yeah. I, Are, I, I, I do enjoy. It. I mean, I use, you know, it's it's better than Bell. Um, but but Shaw's Shaw's like fast forward isn't as 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 good as some other ones. Um, but I, I do enjoy doing that. I mean, just as, I mean, you have kids, right? Like to turn, yeah. especially with football or baseball, like to turn a three-hour game into ninety minutes. It's that's kind of like the only way I can get through a lot of stuff. I'll say this: Do you PVR sports, but try to avoid the outcome? Oh yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. I'll I just do- turn my phone off. Oh, you see, you can turn your. I can't turn my phone off. Like I'll. I don't. That's why I don't even bother trying. I think it's impossible. I think turning, if you're going to do it, you got to turn your phone off. You got to avoid, it's just too hard. You spend so much effort trying to avoid the score. It gets ruined and like, you're just mad. So I've had, I've done it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it anymore. I don't, sorry, I'll PVR sports, but I'm not going to try to avoid the outcome. Or if what I do, I? if I do hear it, you know, I'm not going to get mad. I don't think I could turn my phone off. I just don't think I could do that. One of my claims to fame is that 
I actually gave Dennis Bayek a tip that he used on air, mm-hmm. um, which of course is no longer relevant now that he's not doing Jets games. But I, I told him to give a spoiler alert when he was giving out scores during the game because yeah. he caught me a couple times with things I had PBR oh. while watching the Jets games. And he was like, that's actually a good idea. He was surprised I came up with a good idea. And I'm like, yeah, every every once in a that's, while I got one. So I, I have heard that. I don't I've had stuff ruined. It's not worth the effort. You're walking around like this, like yeah. look, if it happens, happens. Um, I I'm not. But uh, you know, we're talking about TV. I know you're a big TV guy. It is the summer. Not a lot of sports on, although the bomber game is on tonight. What are what are you into these days? Yeah, it's the best show on, I mean, kind of on TV. Um, Only Murders in the Building. Oh, yeah, you're into my wife's watching that. I've never seen it. Oh, it's so good, Revo. Yeah, and it's it's nice, too. Like, it's it's nice to watch a show that isn't, you know, like 10, 12 episodes that are like 80 minutes long. Yes. Each. You know, like you can actually just like sit down for an hour or two and, and crank out like three or four episodes. But it is, I mean... Steve Martin and Martin Short are, are the best. Like they're just they're so awesome. Uh, and the, the I mean the cast is great. I I love murder mysteries and and stuff like that. So it's it's right up my alley. It's like it's lighthearted, but there's still a ton of like mystery and and, and everything like that. So if if you haven't watched it yet, you I mean definitely tune in. Um, I think it's new episodes every Tuesday, and there's only like three left in in season two. So that's that's an absolute must watch especially after I finished Stranger Things, um, which was I, awesome. It just it, took, it was so, so long. I haven't finished it, and I agree with you. We need more shows, 20 to 30 yeah. minutes long, that you can just bang out quickly. I see Fritchie and Chad mentioning Better Call Saul. I'm in the, I'm, that's the one show where it comes out, and usually I would take my time and like watch it when I'm able to, but I need to watch that right away. I don't want to see any spoilers yeah but that is an hour that is an hour an hour long show and we yeah, need some like, shows are okay like some shows actually like do need an hour and like even stranger things which is insanely long there's not too much i would cut out of it but i like watching only murders <laughs> they do a way better job of like backstory in like 20 or 30 minutes than like 90 percent of shows do when they're given like an hour and an hour and a half to do an episode Okay, I need. I'll have to get it. Maybe I don't know. I think I'm too late for me. My wife already started. I don't know if I'll watch it on. There's too many shows out there, but we're happy to give recommendations here. Brandon, this has been so much fun having you on the show. My first time I've ever hosted a live a live one here. It was great talking to you. We're gonna do it again next week. Uh, enjoy your wife's birthday. Hopefully, you hit all the right boxes. You know, you got yes, the, sir. You got the flowers, the gift. The dinner, check, check, check. So, yep, Starbucks early on. We we got oh, it all taken care of. Starting Remo. off with the with the breakfast in bed. I got to take notes on that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Enjoy, enjoy no, your weekend. You, you're doing great, Remo. Great job hosted it hey. solo today. I, I know it's not easy, and, and you're doing an awesome job. And it's it's great talking to you and everybody else out there. And we'll uh, we'll chat sometime next week. All right. Thank you so much, and uh, see you soon. Bye-bye. See you, man. Yeah, see ya. All right. That's how you end it, right? That's how you do a little wave. Uh, goodbye. Well, stick around. We got Gary Stern, the owner of the Montreal Alouettes, coming up next in a conversation with Hustler. Um, that's going to be fun. But before that, Hustler's going to pop in, and he's going to say what up. 
Winnipeg Sports Talk is brought to you in part by Not Auto Corp. Since day one on with WST, Not Auto Corp has been putting Winnipeggers and Manitobans into great vehicles at incredible prices. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price? With the help of the Not team, pop down and see them in person and check everything on the lot at the showroom at Waverly and McGilvery or check them out online at not.ca. Another beautiful summer weekend coming up, and nothing makes a weekend a little better than the great taste of Little Brown Jug. Whether you're popping by your local beer store or hitting them up at the brewery and taproom on William Avenue, there's so many delicious brews from Little Brown Jug to make that weekend a little more refreshing. Try the 1919 or check out all the great brews in the summer variety pack. You can order online as well at littlebrownjug.ca for citywide delivery or pop down to William Avenue or your beer favorite beer store or liquor marts and pick up the great taste of Little Brown Jug this weekend. Of course, lots of great sports coming up this weekend and no better place to watch it and gather with friends than your local Boston pizza. Whether you're kicking it on the patio, in the dining room or in the sports bar, Boston pizza featuring a great new summer menu, including carnitas, tacos, pizzas, and of course, pizza flights are back. A great summer drink menu. And if you are staying home, you can always check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. And a summer weekend just isn't complete without a trip to our friends at Nick and Nikki DQ for those great DQ ice cream treats, not to mention those amazing new stack burgers. If you haven't had a blizzard lately, pop by Nick and Nikki DQ for all the great summer new flavors. And of course, you can do that at the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Pola Park, or DQ St. Anne's. And if you've got the need for a DQ ice cream cake, Nick and Nikki can customize it for you and have it ready to pick up. Call them at any of the locations, or even better yet, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba to order online, customize, and have it ready for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. That's uh, really nails those ad reads. And if you, I think, watch that one closely, I did make a bit of an error and didn't edit it out. So when I play it tomorrow, you'll have to watch. I'm trying to put a couple little Easter eggs in here if you missed the earlier one. Uh, during the Ed Tate interview, I hadn't shaved yet. And now I'm here. I'm, I got a clean shaven. I can't grow a beard for too long. It gets too itchy. Uh, not into it. And if you are here, we got, uh, I want to let everyone know, please. Hit that like button, the thumbs up. We're closing on a 200. We got 272 people in here. Can we get to 200 likes? Um, it tells YouTube that we got some quality content. We'll show it to more people and helps the channel grow. And I do have to tell everyone you have to subscribe as well. And we are talking Bombers Alouettes tonight at 6.30 on TSN. And... We're very uh, pleased to be able to be joined next. Gary Stern, the Montreal Alouettes owner and hustler, caught up with him earlier. All right, big game tonight. Bombers look to continue their undefeated streak to start the season on the road in Montreal to take on the Alouettes. And, uh, you know, I was thinking I would love to get this individual on the program and uh, what a better time to do it than before the first of back-to-back games between the Bombers and Alouettes to welcome in one of the new owners of the Alouettes, Gary Stern. Gary, thanks so much for doing this. It's great to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hope you're well. Um, My pleasure. 
feeling great and uh, uh, looking forward to the big game. Yeah, no doubt about it. Listen, we'll get to the game in a minute, but I, I'm really interested in your involvement in the Canadian Football League and certainly with the Montreal Alouettes. If you could tell us about um, investing in the Canadian Football League, how it came to be, and how you've enjoyed being uh, the owner of uh, one of the fran- franchises in the Canadian Football League so far. Um, grew up loving the Toronto Argos, and it's probably not the most popular thing to on anybody's podcast or on anything but um, grew up loving them watching them uh, then I got to a point in my career where work took over and uh, I didn't watch as much CFL football and about three years ago uh, I've always had a good great group of friends we played sports together did everything together and uh, we watched the great cup with our uh, fathers and group of us got together and we're watching in my man cave and uh, one of my really good and best friends was uh, Dale Lastman who's connected with Maple Leaf Sports and the Argos and we're watching a game and we all going this is way better than the Super Bowl what an exciting I said I just love it and uh, my father-in-law happened to be with me there at the time and they all mentioned well you know the Alouettes are for sale I go, I'm in. I, I may have had one or two beers at the time. I go, but I'm in. Looked at my father-in-law. He said, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Uh, the next day, I think Randy Ambrosi showed up in my office door. And three weeks later, we owned uh, the Montreal Alouettes. And that's a true story. And uh, uh, looking back, it's three years later. And uh, I love that we did. I'm not thrilled that. One month after we bought, COVID hit, um, <laughs> didn't play and for a whole year. And uh, last year we uh, played, but it was somewhat on a if and when type basis, for shortened season. And uh, now I can't be more excited than playing a full season. Uh, I've been with the team. I spent three days watching how they start from the video room all the way up and not only is it a fascinating game, um, it's unbelievable how much work goes into every game, not just from what the players have to do, what from the administration has to do. Um, it's uh, not only am I a fan, but I've had to be a businessman, which is the part I'd like to leave out the most <laughs> and go back to just being a fan. But um no regrets being in the CFL. You know, I, from a business perspective, I, I, I'm interested in your perspective on the difference between professional sports and some of the uh, other businesses that you've been successful in in the past. I mean, there is something unique about sports that attracts people, um, that has a fan base. Um, how different is it? I mean, despite, you know, your incredible business background, how much have you learned over the course of these few years um, running the Alouettes? I've learned a lot. And I laugh about it now. Um, pro sports, owning a pro sports team is different than running any other business. I thought you come in, I can run it as a business, but um, it is a business. But the problem is you have a fan base, a media base, a um, people out there that look at it as a game and a great game, and they get emotional, and they get passionate. And everybody forgets 
that, yeah, it's a business too. And that's the difficult part of behind the scenes running it as a business, which the fans and the media can't see as to some of the problems that occur. And they think it's just a quick fix or, you know, not a business, but it is. But we have to first keep in mind as running as a business, there is a fan base, there is media, and you have to present and create this great entertainment spectacle within a budget. It's, it's not easy, but <laughs> we're doing it. And uh, yeah, I've learned a lot. Gary, you mentioned, uh, you know, being a fan as well. Um, do you have to have your owner hat on and take it off and then put the hat, fan hat on? Or can you wear those hats at the same time? And is that challenging? I'm at that right now. And, you know, you have that choice. Um, I went into it and hiring great indiv individuals, both my president, Mayor Cicchini, and hiring a general manager in uh, Danny Machocha and said, this is what they do. They know it. Stay out. You can give business advice from time to time. Stay out and remain a fan. Sometimes it's difficult, but I think I've been very good about remaining a fan, um, which means sometimes I want to tell them from my fan point of view what they <laughs> should do, but they got to remember I'm only being a fan. Yeah. Gary Stearns with us, uh, owner of the Montreal Alouettes. Um, uh, you know, before we talk about the game tonight and uh, maybe what the Bombers have been doing, I'm just interested in, uh, you know, the challenges of the Montreal market and, and what you've learned and how optimistic are you about the success, future success of the Canadian Football League, in particular in your market as well as across the country? I think the Canadian Football League um, has a tremendous future. Um, it's going to be a somewhat challenging future. Um, and I think as a league, we should be quicker and move faster than we are. That'll get me in trouble, but I do think we have to move faster. COVID brought on a lot of um, problems or brought out problems that existed in that TV has become such a great media. People loved fixing up their homes and making it so comfortable to watch and be entertained at home. How do we as a league um, bring people back to the stadium? How do we give them that entertainment value that brings them out of the comfort of a home? And we need TV because they supply tremendous revenue and exposure for us, yet in effect, we're competing with TV to put fans in our seats. Um, it's a very difficult process. I know the CFL has been around 100 years. We can get there, and we will get there, but we're going to have to be pretty innovative. Well, speaking of being innovative, I've got to give you a lot of credit. I think a lot of fans that are already watching this show, and we've talked about it in the past and thrown a few up, I mean, you have really... Um, dove headfirst into social media um, realizing I think the opportunity from your uh, spot to engage with fans um, and at the same time connect with people but also help promote the game I mean tell us uh, about that how much you've enjoyed it and uh, maybe what you've learned so far from the direct connection you've had with fans as you've uh, grown your following on Twitter it's 
glad you asked because I'm really enjoying it. But then some very smart people have been, you know what you're doing? And I go, absolutely not. I said, I'm just having fun on social media, trying to promote the CFL, promoting the Alouettes, and just having fun with it. But social media is social media. You get some great people on it. You get some not so great people. And on it, I just try and go out and have fun. If I type in the wrong thing or I say the wrong thing, I go, it's social media. I can't do that in my regular work. I got to be do what I got to do. I'm really having fun with it. And I apologize to the people who think I can't type. I apologize to the people who have differing viewpoints. But isn't that what social media is all about? I'm having fun with it. It is. And listen, it's a great way to you know, get people talking about your club, about the Canadian Football League. And I think people really appreciate it. Uh, I, I certainly do. And I mean, that was part of the reason why we wanted to get you on here to uh, to talk about a big game tonight. Before we talk about kickoff this evening, from your perspective and your spot in the owner's office of the Montreal Alouettes, what's your view of the Bombers? Maybe less so as the team, but as an organization and what they've done and how far they've come under Wade Miller to being back-to-back Grey Cup champs and I'd imagine one of the uh, crown franchises, at least right now, in the CFL. Um, I look at the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as a role model for the Montreal Alouettes. Um, we bought a distressed football team in 2019-20. They had been run by the league. And I go, what's the best thing to look at? And I look at now the Blue Bombers, and it's interesting you brought up Wade Miller. I've sat beside him in a few governor's meetings and president's meetings, and I go, who's this guy? He's really smart. Um, and I go, but he's beating up on us in, a, in his own way. Like, he's smart. He knows what he's doing. I admire that, but I'm a competitive guy, and I go, how do I be like him? How do I get our organization like him? And you got a really good guy there. Um, and yes, we're trying to get that stability, trying to take the time to build an organization that works. And uh, we really do look at the uh, Blue Bombers as a role model. But I really do believe also you're coming in. We're going to play you. And I honestly, I swear, think we're going to beat you. Um, our team is ready. And it's just going to be a great game. One, it'll be exciting. But two, it will be a measure on how far along the Alouettes have come. Because we are playing, and I know the other teams get mad, we are playing the best team in the CFL. Gary Stearns with us, owner of the Montreal Alouettes, getting ready for kickoff tonight in Montreal. And, of course, the teams will be back here a week from Thursday on August 11th as the Bombers finally get back for a home game. Don't forget that Princess Auto tailgate party two hours before the game outside the stadium. Uh, uh, Gary, I mean, obviously our focus is on tonight, but um, there's been some ups and downs. You guys have made a coaching change so far and yet still right in the thick of it. What do you make of the uh, of the East Division so far? And despite the fact that I'm sure you'd like to have a few more wins, um, everything completely wide open to win the division and have a home playoff game to go to the Grey Cup. Exactly. And I hope to meet you Blue Bombers in the Great Cup. And 
I got nothing but faith in Danny Matocha. And you know, you read about this and you read about all the things. I wish I could tell everything that went on in making the decisions we made. And But I really can't, and there'd be no point to it other than Danny's taking heat and he shouldn't be. That man's working 80 to 90 hour weeks. He's got a vision, he's got a goal. And as you know, in Winnipeg, it didn't happen overnight. So Danny's got a plan, I'm all with him. And uh, I really like where we're going. And yeah, it's unfortunate that East doesn't have the record that the West does, but from our point of view, it gives us time and it gives Danny time to keep building and moving towards a direction but it's a long season, and once you're in the playoffs, we can go. Well, uh, you know, that uh, quest for the playoffs obviously uh, continues tonight with a home game against the Bombers and then a road trip here to Winnipeg a week from today. And as you mentioned, I mean, the Bombers really are the measuring stick right now. So uh, a huge couple games coming up for your franchise and one that I think uh, fans should be tuning into because we know what the Bombers have done so far this year. Uh, but the Alouettes have shown, I mean, it hasn't been as consistent, uh, but when they have been on, um, it's, a, it's a pretty fun team to watch and some great quarterback talent and some great skill position players that seem to be getting more comfortable week by week, Gary. Um, and they are. Um, that's why I say it's building. We see it, but I know the fans haven't yet, but I just want them to be a bit more patient because I think we're going to explode and second half, they're going to see a really fast-played game, exciting game, um, moving downfield. I hate field goals, just so you know. I hate field goals, and that's me being a fan. I go, field goals really are for losers because isn't the intention to get a touchdown? So I know you need the three, but you really haven't done what you wanted to do. And I think we're going to be really exciting. Um, we're going to be a go-for-it team. Um, I'm really looking forward to tonight, next week, and wouldn't it be amazing and fantastic if we swept? Okay. Well, that would be amazing. I'll give you that. It would certainly okay. be amazing. There's a, it can happen. You can imagine that there's a lot of confidence in the blue and gold here with what they've done over the last few years and the start that they've had. But this is going to be a big challenge tonight. And certainly we'll look forward to the rematch here in Winnipeg a week from today. And if you do make it out, we'd love to meet you. Uh, but just want to wish you well. I love the way that you've engaged the fan base and have really gotten out there. A lot of people in, in your position don't do that. And I think there's some real benefits for the club and the league to do it that way and that's why we wanted to have you on uh, I also hope that your prediction for the game tonight is very much wrong and the Bombers are 9-0 <laughs> next week uh, but that's what this is all about Gary all the best to you and the Alouette organization and uh, I hope plenty of wins are coming your way after the 11th of August thank you very much and I appreciate it and uh, let's just uh, keep pushing this exciting game in the CFL and let's keep having some fun with it there was Hustler and Montreal Alouette's owner, Gary Stern. I think that's the first owner we've had on here. Uh, pretty cool of him to take the time to come on the program, talk about Montreal. You have to love his enthusiasm, love his excitement for the CFL. We got two games against Montreal, kind of what the Bombers do. 
And if you want more from Gary, he has been tweeting today at Gary S2020 on Twitter. I'm assuming 2020 for when he bought the Alouettes. You saw the jersey ad in the background. Uh, like Stern 2020. And here is his tweet from today as I bring it up. Here we go. Oh, that's not it. Well, I'll just read it. Today is the day. He really thinks he says Alouettes win. He wants to hear predictions from BC, Edmonton, Calgary, Regina, Toronto, Hamilton, Ottawa. Remember, we can do this. We are hungry and it's our house. And I really admire him going out there on social media and not really caring about spelling and punctuation. He says that's for business. Social media is for fun. I love his attitude. Great talk with him. Great owner. I think he's great for the Canadian Football League. So uh, pretty awesome that he would come and take the time to chat with us. Those East teams, man, they're kind of behind it in terms of competition against the West. The Bombers have as many wins as all the East teams combined. Before we wrap up, one more message here from Hustler, and then I'll have some closing thoughts. Here we go. Winnipeg Sports Talk is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Canadian Club Whiskey. Canadian Club, always synonymous with the best whiskey and now synonymous with the drink of the summer. The pre-mixed, ready-to-drink Canadian Club and ginger ale, now available in six packs at your favorite beer store or Manitoba Liquor Marts. And of course, you can have the great taste of CC and ginger at IG Field as well, whether for the Valor game this weekend or the Bomber game next week, because Canadian Club is the official spirit and sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Canadian Club products found throughout IG Field. If you haven't tried the CC and Ginger, do it this weekend or the next time you head over to IG Field. Also, big thanks to our friends at Assiniboia Downs. Live racing returns Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday with a post time of 7.30 p.m. Make a reservation in the dining room to try the incredible prime rib buffet at Assiniboia Downs or order off the menu and make a point of coming down and taking in all the great action. But if you're not able to go do it like Remus and myself, you can open an account at hpibet.com and bet on the races. And of course, watch all the live action from Assiniboia Downs every night of live racing on the AS Downs YouTube channel at Assiniboia Downs, 885-3330 if you want to make an arrangement to get into the dining room for upcoming live racing days. And of course, huge thanks to our friends at CoolBet for their sponsorship of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Remus will have the cool bet lines today, but you can always use the promo code WST if you haven't played a cool bet before for a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit. Big thanks to Cool Bet, Canada's most transparent sports book. Stay cool. All right, there we go. Thanks for Hustler for mentioning those sponsors and HPI bet is where we've been betting on Assiniboia Downs, and I don't know how Hustler did, but I had one winner yesterday on race three. I had a $5 bet on House Limit, and that returned me $19.50. So I was even yesterday at Assiniboia Downs, and I've been, he's been beating me. There we go. Cool bet lines. I got to look out, look out for these. And the Bombers. I yesterday they were minus five and a half favorites and earlier today they were six point 
favorites, but now it's back to five and a half. I'm more of a prop guy personally, and I mentioned a couple with Ed that I was into. Uh, receiving yards. Nick Dembski, 55 and a half yards. I bet that earlier. I think it was 50 when I bet it earlier. I could be wrong. Anyways, he's, in his last two games, he's been pretty good. He got a lot of targets. I think nine with Ellingson out. Uh, Claris spreading the ball more. It was pretty focused on Dalton Schoen. His total there, 75. Uh, I did like the Dembski one. Schoen, I think he could hit this too. Uh, Eugene Lewis is always pretty strong, 70. He, had a, he hit that last week. Um, rushing yards. This one might be the better one. Okay, this was like 50 earlier, Oliveira. Now it's 52 and a half. I got to check what I, got, what I got them at, but Ed Tate mentioned in my conversation how the Alouettes have given out the most rush yards. The Bombers seem very committed to Brady. He had the breakout game last week, 110 uh, yards. So I like Brady Oliveira. You can look at the other games. Calgary, four and a half point favorites against Ottawa. Toronto's been minus two against Hamilton and BC minus 10. And they may be getting uh, Brian Burnham back. So that would be an interesting one as well. Hey, we got some odds for the juniors. Oh, so it says something went wrong. So maybe the juniors, they're coming. You got any NHL futures, some season bets? Just Stanley Cup picks, Colorado plus 450. Let's see, the Jets. It's always fun betting on them for fun. There they are at the bottom with Philly, Columbus. They're uh, 70 to 1. So not so hot for them. Uh, and we did, we did see people mentioning in chat the Bombers going for the uh, three-peat plus 139. So I don't think there's too much value, value on that for the Bombers being the 109th Grey Cup champion. And we hit 3 o'clock. We'll be back tomorrow. Darren and I will be recapping the game. Marat's on for his weekly visit. Ken, live on location, the walk around, and NFL talk with Lee Haxa Hamilton. Training camps are underway. We have the Hall of Fame game. I also want to touch on the MLB trade deadline with Haxa. He's in San Diego. They did make the blockbuster trade getting Juan Soto, but also I know Lee has some good Vin Scully stories, and we really didn't touch on Vin Scully yesterday. Or today, who passed away, the legendary um, Dodgers announcer, the definitely the greatest, you know, one of the greatest of all time. So we will touch on that with Lee tomorrow. Uh, I got to thank all our sponsors and thank all of you who tuned in. This has been spectacular. And if you haven't already, we did hit 200 thumbs up on this video. That's pretty cool. 200 thumbs ups. Make sure you subscribe. The race for AK is on and. Hey, if you're not following us on any of the other social medias, the links are down below in the description, every single one. And oh yeah, tomorrow we will have a marble race too. That'll be, that'll be great. I'll be doing it. I get to do the play-by-play. So many bucket list items for me being checked off here. This has been a blast. So looking forward to the Bomber Sunday. If anyone wants to put some last second predictions in um, with the score so we can go back tomorrow and say who got it. Uh, five and a half. I think they're going to cover. However, I am concerned. I want, it's hard to pick against the Bombers. It is very hard. I am concerned about the short week, the compressed schedule. The team doesn't, uh, doesn't care about all that stuff. But when you I think it takes a toll after a while, and they'll be returning home next week and then going, what, going on the bye. So 
Uh, this has been so much fun. I appreciate all you guys uh, coming out and chat. Wasn't sure if I could do this, but uh, you helped me, helped me get through it. So thank you again, everyone. And I didn't give any, I didn't give my show recommendations. We are watching The Bomber tonight, but uh, if you want to check something out on Netflix, it just came out. I haven't seen it yet, so I can't say if it's good. However, um, this Woodstock 99 documentary on Netflix, there was one last year on Crave TV by HBO. This is the this is the Netflix one. It's kind of like Firefest, where you had the Hulu documentary and the Netflix documentary. Uh, I love Woodstock Nine. So many great bands, but it's also very infamous with a lot of the chaos that was on there. So I'm gonna make make some time. Maybe not tonight, but another time. Uh, I guess possibly after the Bomber game to hit up this uh, Woodstock '99 documentary on Netflix. Uh, thank you again, everyone. This has been so much fun. Uh, support our sponsors and check out all of our social media leaks links down the bottom. And uh, thank you to all our guests, Ed, uh, Scott, uh, Gary Stern, and Brandon. You can follow them on Twitter. Those links are in the description as well. And uh, I'm sure tomorrow will be uh, be an awesome one too. Uh, uh, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. See you all tomorrow. Oh my God! for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.